Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking everything you need to know about student loans right now with Megan McGuire. That's right. Megan McGuire is a student loan expert, and she's joining us on the podcast today. Uh, man, I don't think there's anyone else we know who understands the ins and outs of student loans more than Megan does. She has not only been in the finance industry for more than 13 years now, but she's got the bragging rights of being the first certified student loan professional, the first CSLP in the state of Georgia back when we met her several years ago. She does a lot of work with Student Loan Planner. Uh, actually, and I think we originally met at a brewery. We, uh, we had a listener hang, and she right. showed up and introduced herself. But the timing could not be any better, as there have been so many changes and things happening in the, the student loan space. Where are things with student loan forgiveness? Uh, where are things with the payment pause? We are excited to talk about all of that and more today. Megan, thank you for joining us. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys for having me. And I feel like, of course, as soon as I'm about to be introed, I have my lawn guy out there with the blower outside. So leaf blowers, I'm sorry. Leaf blowers are a constant um, battle when it comes to a podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's yeah. true. Well, Megan, the yeah. first question we ask anybody who comes on on the show, any guest, we want to know what their craft beer equivalent is because Matt and I, we like spending way too much money sometimes on good beer, but we don't do it at the expense of our savings and investments. So what's your splurge? What's your craft beer equivalent? Mm, I love, I love this question and I love hearing everybody's answers too. So I would say mine, mine truly is having dinner with my husband 
and it feels it feels so weird saying husband too because I'm just recently a McGuire. You so. are a newlywed. That's right. Used to be Landris. Congratulations, I was Landris. Thank you. But yeah, so we've that's always been something that me and him have enjoyed doing together, like going and trying new restaurants. We like a nice cocktail or two, pairing wine with different foods. So that's that's one thing that we we do. We do not do that every night because I do enjoy cooking, but. A couple times a week, that's that's where some of our like discretionary money is going towards. <laughs> Very nice. I love that. Something else I love, actually, on your website, I saw that the uh, in the facts about Megan section, number one mentions your entrepreneurial spirit that you had from a, a very young age. Can you mm-hmm. can you talk through some of the different uh, ventures that you had as a as a young kid? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm thinking back on it. Like I, I really was like a little entrepreneur, like really young. And I think it started. So my dad was in sales. He did electrical sales for big companies, um, and it may have come from him maybe coaching me a little bit as I grew up. But I was also in Girl Scouts, so I learned how to sell Girl Scout cookies and have like a little cheer dance in front of Kroger to like <laughs> get people's attention. But I used to make like little jewelry. I used to make little dolls I would I would sell them at all of our family gatherings I would have like a basket that I'd put my products in that I've made <laughs> and I'd go around all my family members and I'd price it out for like you know a quarter a dollar or something and I was really proud of it like going around and I'd have like some spending money for the dollar store at the end of the day <laughs> is this a family reunion or is this Megan's market <laughs> right. <laughs> right yeah it, it was every every little like family gathering it was like I remember Easter for one one time specifically I was selling dolls uh fourth of July I was selling these like red white and blue bracelets that I had made um but I really enjoyed it wasn't that I liked crafting necessarily like I think I was good at it because my mom liked to craft with us but I really enjoyed the sale like I liked making money (laughs) (laughs) and like having that to go to who doesn't making money yeah yeah I love it (laughs) So, but that was that was my uh, entrepreneurial spirit growing up. <laughs> well, wh- one of the things I think fact number seven on that list is one of my favorites because you say that you're so passionate about about what you do now that even mm-hmm. if you won the lottery, you'd still be doing it. And I think that is mm-hmm. the sign that you have found like the perfect job for you. And I, I Matt and I feel the same way. Uh, I think even if even if we won some sort of gigantic sum of money, we just like what we do. And and mm-hmm. that's, you know, not every day doesn't mean every day is easy, but it's nice to have a job that you're that passionate about. And student loans mm-hmm. are kind of that for you. And you are an expert for sure on this front. And there's so much happening. I feel like there's so much to talk about on today's episode. I guess mm-hmm. let's start maybe with kind of the recent news that happened at the end of last week. You know, what's mm-hmm. the latest with student loan forgiveness? It, it, it looks like now it's going to be decided by the highest court in the land, by the Supreme Court. But can you mm-hmm. kind of fill us in on where things stand right now? It's been in limbo back and forth. And now it's like, still kind of in limbo but yeah what's the latest yeah (laughs) yeah my goodness I feel like anyone who has student loans has probably felt like they've been on a roller coaster over the past couple couple years now um, a, so many a roller coaster changes. that keeps stopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like going full speed and <laughs> then they slam on the brake. Shut down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so most recently, um, we we originally were getting excited about this one-time cancellation that seemed like it was coming through. They had announced that they were going to forgive ten or twenty thousand of student loans for federal borrowers. Ten if you didn't have Pell grants. 
20 if you did have Pell Grants and you had to be under a uh, income threshold. And they went as far as putting the application up on studentaid.gov and allowing people to submit applications. And it got challenged lots of lawsuits um some they were able to to clear up like allowing people to opt out of the the cancellation because maybe it created a tax liability in their state others they you know uh so i I think where we're at right now is it, it has been stopped or shut down where they've totally taken the application off of the website it says something to the effect of you know we're on on hold right now tied up in court and it is it's going to the supreme court So the announcement that was made most recently was um, that the Supreme Court is they they plan to look at this in the spring of 2023. And in response to the Texas judge shutting down cancellation originally and it having to move to Supreme Court, they had extended the Department of Education had extended payments again as well. And it was kind of like a I kind of think it's funny because it's it's almost like they're challenging each other. But the way in the past we've had extensions that have said, you know, payments are going to be extended until this date. But this time they came back and said, okay, well, payments are going to be extended 60 days after this one-time cancellation is approved or relief is is awarded. So it's almost like it's contingent on the court system allowing for this one-time cancellation for when payments are going to kick back in. So that means there's no like start date exactly. It'll be 60 days after approval. But Supreme Court has also stated, or, or what's what's known right now, is that cancellation cannot happen until the Supreme Court makes a ruling. But I'll pause because I knew I kind of brain dumped a lot of things on you right there. <laughs> Let yeah, me well, know how you'd like me to piece that apart. <laughs> well, there definitely seems like there is a process, and it, I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like is it next summer? I mean, so when a decision is made, I, I guess like mm-hmm. it'd be good to know how long student loan borrowers, how long they might actually be in limbo before they know something. Because I think for Mm -hmm. a lot of folks, they're probably saying, it's fine if payments resume. I just want to know what the heck to do. And so being in limbo, I think is the most difficult spot. Um, So what's the, yeah, what's the timeline? What's the the time frame Mm -hmm. that you think folks can expect? So let's say they make, Supreme Court makes decisions on this. um, And let's say they approve the one-time cancellation in April then by how they've extended payments again, it'll be 60 days after April when payments resume. Uh, So April, May, June, payments would kick in in June. Okay. Um, The longest they could be extended for is, so it says June 30th, which 60 days after June 30th would put us at August 30th. So payments could be kicking in in September. That's the longest I think we could be in this payment freeze again. Uh, But it could be maybe as early as May or June, depending on how fast decisions are made once once they start deciding in the Supreme Court. Basically, because of that, borrowers borrowers need to be prepared like they don't we don't know when the Supreme Court ruling is going to come out. It looks like probably late spring, early summer sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and we won't have payments resumed for a couple months after that, even still. But you mm-hmm. need to be prepared <laughs> because yep. we're not sure of the exact timeline, right? And yeah. so we're the limbo continues. I guess I have a question for you too. The Department of Education, they, they sound pretty confident in the messaging they that they're sending <laughs> yeah. student loan borrowers via email. They're using termino- terminology like, and I I believe this is a direct quote, when we prevail yes. uh, in their communication. <laughs> so use that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is their confidence unfounded? I don't know. It feels like maybe they might be doing a disservice to borrowers with this wildly optimistic tone. 
Mm, yep, I know. And I, I, I was talking to one of my colleagues about this recently, thinking like, yeah, they, they do sound optimistic. Maybe they know something that we don't know. And her response was, well, the way I see it is they're making it sound like they're going to do everything they can to allow this to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's not on them. So they're in a way, I think the other side of this is maybe they are really confident. Maybe they do think that this can get pushed through. But maybe a, an alternative way to think about this or on the flip side would be maybe they're not sure. You know, of course, they're not sure. No one's sure. Um, but maybe they're trying to cast some blame if it doesn't work because right. they wanted it to happen. They did everything they could. And if it doesn't, it's not their fault. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Political well, positioning. There, there's a yeah. lot of that happening from all sides right now. A lot of posturing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yep. Megan, so you've got a lot of folks who uh, work with you, you know, folks who mm -hmm. have hired you to put together a plan for them. Like, what are mm -hmm. you telling those folks specifically what to do with their money? Right? Like, like mm -hmm. where do you suggest they, those folks stick dollars that otherwise would have gone to start paying their loans in January? Instead, mm -hmm. what are you telling them to do with that money? Yeah, so it, it does depend on what your ultimate path is going to be when it comes to your student loans. If you're someone who's going towards forgiveness, either with public service loan forgiveness or the income-driven forgiveness path, this payment extension is just more good news for you because all of these months that we're in this forbearance environment will count towards forgiveness for free. So there's no reason to be making payments when we are, we're already getting credit. So for those folks who don't need to be making payments, I'm telling folks, hey, you know, there's other things you could be prioritizing, like paying down higher interest debt, making sure emergency savings is topped off, um, maybe increasing how much you're saving for, you know, for one of your goals coming up. Those are some of the more responsible uh, things that you could be doing. <laughs> yeah. You Jet could ski. Also, Doesn't you make know. the list, Megan. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, if the, those other things are, are in a good, in good shape, then of course, you know, treat yourself a little bit, maybe spend a little bit more on, on gifts this season or whatever is going to make you happy. Self-care, personal care, you have a little more time before payments kick in. But I do highly, highly recommend making sure that you're preparing for that payment to resume because it has been so long since payments have been around where people have gotten used to not having that payment in the mix. And we've had inflation, as y'all know, that has made cost of living very, very different than maybe yeah. what it was three years ago when you had the student loan payment. So I am suggesting folks practice that payment by just you know taking that money that we know the payment will be, either setting it aside towards one of those responsible financial goals we talked about or um you know putting it towards something else but just accounting for it so you're prepared i, I like um, that you said practice the payment mm -hmm. i think that is like the, so the perfect phrase because that's what we've been saying is like out of sight out of mind means you're going to be in for a shock it's, a financial it's shock gonna surprise so, you yeah. yeah yeah and like you said megan i mean with inflation being higher i think it, it's so easy for folks to see those additional dollars that they would have otherwise been able, like you said, maybe to, to do something responsible with, just mm -hmm. get absorbed into their day-to-day -day spending and their month-to-month -month spending. It's not that they're sitting on this giant pile of cash. They're just frittering those dollars away. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. money that you know, isn't going to anything truly impactful, yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. 
I want to know from a tax standpoint, how do these moves mm-hmm. affect tax planning for individuals, for couples with student loans? Does the moratorium, the payment pause, the potential for forgiveness, but the lack thereof right now, how does that, and next month, people are going to start getting tax documents mm-hmm. in the mail, in their email. So how does this impact anybody's tax status or tax, like you know, what they owe in taxes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think one big way that taxes and, and tax status will impact people in this payment extension could potentially impact people is um, along the same lines as what I was mentioning before. If you're someone who's going towards forgiveness, you may be looking at filing taxes separately from your spouse if your spouse doesn't have student loans and or you're trying to keep your payment off of just your own income. Because income-driven plans, they're dictated on income. And if you're filing jointly, it's based off of the joint income. If you're filing taxes married separately, depending on the plan, you can keep that payment off of just your own income, which is advantageous for people who are going towards forgiveness because that can keep the payment lower. So how this extension might complicate things but maybe create some opportunity is um, no one has been required to update income in a very long time and they won't before definitely before July 1st 2023 so no one's going to have to update their payments change payments before then Um, that could also be extended because of this recent payment extension so what that means is next time people have to update income when when they do that it's going to link back to the most recently filed tax return on file Mm. So that's probably going to be 2022 unless someone's extending taxes for some reason. So that that makes you need to think about your tax situation for 2022. Like, would it make sense for you to be filing separately to, to keep the payment off of your own income or not? Where, you know, 2020, 2021, those tax returns didn't really come into play. So you may have been able to file jointly and it not affect your your payment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, if you, if you did that, you're, you were lucky because uh, yeah. <laughs> you're able to take advantage of those. You're taking a gamble. Those benefits that <laughs> yeah. were offered by filing jointly. Uh, yeah. But now, like you said, hopefully, I mean, looking forward, I mean, that mm-hmm. is something that folks are going to need to take into account. How it is that you file is going to have a massive impact on mm-hmm. some of those income-based repayment plans. And speaking of those, those different forgiveness programs that are available for, for, for folks out there, we're going to dive more into that right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back from the break. Still talking with Megan McGuire about everything you need to know about student loans right now because a lot of moving parts, a lot going on, a lot of confusion for borrowers Mm -hmm. right now. And Megan, we want to talk about PSLF. We want to talk about the new income-based repayment plan as well in a second. But I want to ask you too, there's, there's some folks who paid off their student loans during the pandemic. They took the the interest freeze as a chance to say, I can make more progress. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> some of them feel, I don't know, maybe like that was the wrong move to do because they might have lost out on forgiveness. But if you did that during the pandemic, the rules stated, the rules that are now in limbo, that mm-hmm. you would still be able to get a refund on the amount you paid off during that payment pause. But where do mm-hmm. things stand for people who are saying, this is debt that I want to be out of my life? Uh, mm-hmm. Should they be accelerating payments? Should be, they be trying to pay off their student loans altogether? Or I don't, it, it feels like it's hard to navigate, especially for how to money listeners who are like, I don't really like debt. I kind of want to be done with my student loan debt. Right. Is it wise or not <laughs> to pay it off? Yeah. So I, I think it can be wise if you're in that boat where forgiveness is either just not attractive to you or it mathematically isn't going to make sense then now is a great time to be putting extra payments or just paying towards the loans. I know you don't have to right now, but if you are making payments, your dollars are going further because you're not going up against interest as well. It gives you a little bit of a bigger shovel to start you know, winding that down. So that's, that's definitely something you can do. The only thing I would mention is just make sure that there's other, uh, make sure that other bigger priorities are taken care of first. Like make sure you're paying down other higher interest debt first, like credit cards. Like you shouldn't be accelerating your student loan payments right now. If you have 25% interest rates on some credit card debt. Yeah. Prioritize that first, make sure maybe you have some money in emergency savings because that's the first line of defense against credit card debt. And then if those two things are are checked off, there's no other financial priorities that, that you need to be taking a look at, then definitely start to work down the balance. Now, 
if the one-time cancellation does come through because that might be a question that people have as well you know i don't want to pay it off (laughs) yeah um so what's good is if you do pay off enough to where a portion of that would have been canceled or forgiven if this one-time cancellation comes through you will get that back in a refund so there's no downside to be paying right now because if the one-time cancellation comes through, you'll you'll get that money back. But maybe one other more crafty suggestion, high-yield savings accounts are looking really good right now. We're mm-hmm. at like 3% interest. So what I might suggest is maybe put that money aside into a high-yield savings account, like what you would be dumping onto the student loans, because you'll earn 3% until interest kicks back in. And before payments and interest are resuming, we'll know, we'll have a 60-day heads up take that money from the high yield savings plus the three percent that you earned dump it onto the loans at that time and it may not be a ton of interest growth but it'll be you know better than zero percent so yeah. those are some better, thoughts better than nothing like you said it makes all the sense in the world to practice those payments and whether yeah. or maybe you've already got a high high yield savings account and even just creating a separate bucket or like a separate sort of sinking fund where you are funneling those payments into that just to kind of earmark it um, mm-hmm. for the student loan payments as well. I think that could be smart. But um, mm-hmm. Megan, like what, what's the latest for folks who are in line to receive PSLF? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems like those folks have made out like bandits, honestly, like all <laughs> of those uh, paused months being applied to mm-hmm. their, their timeline. It seems like yep. many folks are, are likely to have a massive chunk of forbearance time count towards mm-hmm. forgiveness. So uh, yeah, like what, what, uh, what words of wisdom do you have for those folks? Yeah. So PSLF as uh, a refresh is for those who are working in government or a nonprofit setting. Uh, so public service work, you're employed in public service full time. There was a lot of news about the PSLF waiver that expired October 31st. It was allowing people to go back and get a second chance at getting payments to count that previously wouldn't have counted because you had the wrong loans or weren't on the right repayment plan. That has ended. There are certain things that are actually being extended from that, though, through the IDR waiver. And the IDR waiver is actually how forbearances were being allowed to get counted if they were over a certain period. So over 12 months of consecutive forbearance or more or 36 months or more of forbearance um, on your account ever. So the IDR waiver and the PSLF waiver together, that's how people were getting a lot of credit for previously ineligible payment periods. Hmm. The IDR waiver still exists. So people can still get credit for those forbearances if they haven't submitted an employment certification form. So it's not too late for people to go back and get prior credit for PSLF. If maybe you missed out, you just have to still be employed at an eligible employer now. That's one of the bigger differences. But PSLF, I think there are some positive changes to come as well. Um, So starting mid-2023, July 1, uh, they're going to start allowing contractors in states like California and Texas to qualify for PSLF if by state law they're not eligible for PSLF because they're they have to be contracted through like a partners group, for example. Like hmm. Kaiser Permanente is a great example of this for physicians in Texas and California, where state law says that they cannot be an employee of the nonprofit hospital. They have to be hired through a partners group, which is not nonprofit. So those folks, even though they're doing the same hmm. exact job as those 
you know, doctors in a nonprofit hospital setting, they weren't able to get PSLF because their employer, like who was on their W-2, wasn't the nonprofit. So those folks will now start to be able to qualify starting July of 2023. And then there's another, you know, a couple other like nuances for things that's that are going to be changing with PSLF, but that's probably one of the bigger ones. Okay. And and one of the other things I'm kind of confused about right now is the new income-based plan that was announced with Mm -hmm. the, what the 10, uh, the track for a 10-year forgiveness eligibility for that. Previously, it was just folks in public service uh, Mm -hmm. who would be eligible for a 10-year forgiveness timeline. And it also reduced the amount that people needed to pay on a monthly basis. I feel like that hasn't received nearly as much attention as kind of the 10K in forgiveness, but it's huge, right? And it it, (laughs) it seems like it could lower the payments substantially for millions of folks moving forward, allowing Mm -hmm. them to achieve full forgiveness a whole lot faster. So can you tell us more about that and what the status of that new IBR plan is right now? Yes, I'm really excited about this as well. I, I agree with you. I think there, well, I think there's not as much of attention on it right now because is it it's a proposed plan at this point that has to okay. go through legislation. So it, it can change. The proposed details, though, are exciting. Like if they go through as is, there's a lot of opportunity there. And it may have people lean more towards forgiveness that maybe otherwise wouldn't have. Maybe you were someone who right now with the current rules make makes more sense to pay the loans off. But with this new plan, it might lean us more towards considering forgiveness instead. So that's that's really interesting. But in a nutshell, I think you, you hit on some good points for undergraduate borrowers. Forgiveness could be achieved in as short as 10 years without public service uh, work. And the payments for undergraduate loans would be could be as low as 5% of discretionary income. If you're someone who has both undergraduate and graduate loans, the graduate loans would still be, could be as low as 10%, like the plans we have now. But the poverty line deduction that goes into how they calculate the income-driven payment would be higher, which makes the payment a little bit lower just across the board for anybody who has federal student loans. And then the other piece that's really exciting is there would be an interest subsidy, a better interest subsidy. So thinking about income-driven plans, if your balance is a lot more than what your income is, your income-driven payment, of course, is meant to make the payment affordable, but it's probably not touching principal, and it may not even be covering the interest cost per month. So that would mean that your balance is growing over time which would be a terrifying thing if there wasn't forgiveness, but there is forgiveness with any of these income-driven plans after either 20 or 25 years. But one thing to know is after forgiveness, uh, whatever balance is forgiven, it can be taxable to you in the future as income. So if your balance is growing and growing and growing over time, it does get forgiven, but if you have to pay taxes on that big balance at, you know, that tax year, that could be a hefty tax bill. So one of the the positive changes that might come with this new income-driven plan too is that it would not allow the balance to grow. So it would stay at what the current balance is, even if your payment wasn't enough to cover the interest costs per month. So that means in the future, if we do have to pay taxes on forgiven debt, it, it would be a lower balance than what it maybe otherwise would be. Mm. So that's one other big update. I mean, that feels like it could be a game changer for a ton of folks. So even if this, like the forgiveness gets the headlines, but if this new repayment plan actually gets through, that could just 
completely revolutionize the way people how they feel mm-hmm. and their financial responsibility towards those student loans. But yeah. I guess yeah, you know, what what does that look like moving forward? It's a proposal. Mm-hmm. How does that come to fruition, and when will we know more? Yep. It does have to work its way through legislation, which always takes some time. But they, I think we're going to see some formal decisions on it by summer of 2023. So as, as y'all can kind of tell, there's a lot of things that we're going to have more information about by <laughs> summer of 2023. <laughs> so yeah, a lot that is up in the air. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully we will have many updates uh, between now and then yeah. uh, as more mm-hmm. information comes to light. But um, OK, Megan, yeah. so, so talk to us about refinancing student mm-hmm. loans as well because <laughs> I feel like it's it seems like it's been kind of mostly a, a stupid move for folks with yeah. federal student <laughs> loans at least over the right. past few years it's not something that you hear a lot of folks talking about yeah. because why would you want to re- refinance don't give up the bird in the hand federal student <laughs> yeah. loans exactly uh, so yeah with the potential yeah. for forgiveness still possible is it still something that that most folks should honestly just not even consider at this point Right now, it's it's tricky, yeah, because we, we do have 0% interest for longer. Interest rates are also not great right now mm-hmm. because of inflation. So there's probably not, there's not really any incentive for people to, to be refinancing. But I think the closer we get to when we know payments are turning back on and once people have more clarity on what relief they have access to and what they don't, next year will probably be a bigger season for looking at refinancing. And this would only be applicable for those that are committed to paying their loans off because refinancing would privatize the loans. And the benefit to doing that is it helps us reduce the interest rate compared to what you have in the federal system. It's really Mm -hmm. the only way you can reduce your interest rate. But if Um, you do that, you lose out on a lot of the benefits that federal borrowers get. And you can never get back into federal loans. So it's kind of one of those big decisions that you want to make sure you have all the facts on hand before Mm -hmm. you pull the trigger. Exactly. It's a permanent decision. So it's not a bad decision for everybody. If I was talking to a room of 100 people, it's it's probably not a bad decision for everyone in the room. You just you have to make sure it is the right plan for you. And so that a way to maybe think about that is when that time comes, if you are not eligible for PSLF, if your balance is lower than maybe your income, if uh, the new income driven plan doesn't seem to be mathematically beneficial to you to where you'd get loans forgiven. And if they don't come out with the one time cancellation or they do and it's already been applied that those kind of things you'd want to check those boxes off before you go and, and look at refinancing. But I think if if you're good on those topics and those you've done the research on those things, then then maybe refinancing could make sense when that time comes. Okay. All right, one other interesting rule change that might help at least some folks become more able to discharge their loans to not forgiveness, but to discharge them altogether mm-hmm. is via new bankruptcy rules that the the Biden administration has implemented. So can you give us more info on that. It looks like those just went into effect, what, a week, week and a half ago, something like that. So mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we haven't seen widespread discharging of student loans via bankruptcy, but it seems like maybe we might see that become more common in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So historically, to be able to discharge loans in bankruptcy court, you had to prove that you would not be able to provide for your family and carry a student loan payment And that was very difficult to do if you had federal loans because your income-driven payment could be as low as zero, depending on income. You had to prove undue hardship. That's the term. So that has been relaxed. There have been a couple court cases over the past couple years that have really kind of cracked this open where, you know, student loans are also not only lent, lent for 
tuition. You can borrow cost of attendance uh, that, that includes living it can include transportation, food. So it's not just tuition. And, and the reason why student loans weren't really dischargeable in the past was because there was such an ironclad rule that education, uh, you know, money for education or loans for education were, were just, it was not not an option to be discharged um, through bankruptcy without that undue hardship, which was, again, really hard to prove. But now that we know, and it has always been the case, that a lot of the loans that you can borrow, the whole balance is not just for tuition, could be for other things. That That's one piece that's kind of cracked the door open. But I think just relaxing the rules with the Biden administration is going to make bankruptcy an option for student loan debt where otherwise it has not been. So it is an option. It just might be a really difficult one when it comes to like your credit. So bankruptcy with student loans, that's something you carefully want to consider with uh, an attorney. You want to make sure you have all the, the facts and know how that would affect your situation and your finances going forward. So you'd want to communicate that or, or chat with an attorney about that before you make that decision. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's good. Good to know. But we've got a few more questions we want to get to about student loans, mm-hmm. including maybe just like some of the other, besides these big things we've tackled already, some of the biggest concerns that student loan borrowers face. We'll get to that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are still here talking about student loans, everything that you wanted to know about student loans with Megan McGuire. And Megan, you know, like besides just the ambiguity of forgiveness and payment pauses, I mean, we've talked through just how we're not going to know a lot of this information until it's decided in the courts or unless it goes through legislation. But right now, like what are the biggest student loan concerns facing folks who you speak with, right? Like, so the folks who, who hire, hire you for your services, what are some of the, like maybe more, some of the more practical issues that, that you are seeing them deal with right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I think first and foremost is definitely just kind of the decision fatigue or like knowing what's applicable hmm. to them and what's not, because there's so much out there right now about student loan forgiveness and new repayment options. And um, there's just a lot of info to where it's hard to kind of filter yourself into knowing what you should be paying attention to. <laughs> so that's that's been one. And then I think in, inflation is another piece of the puzzle because I, th- I think that's something that's going to affect people's finances in general. But with student loans, inflation has impacted how much uh, the cost of attendance is, is going to be for people going to school right now. Dollars may not go as far as they used to. And so the school itself, their cost of attendance, how much they they allow people to borrow may not be keeping up with inflation when it comes to um, the ability to borrow for for housing, for transportation, for eating, you know, just the basic necessities to provide for yourself while you're in school. But it's also affected interest rates, which makes paying back student loans more expensive. So federal rates right now are are much higher than where they were. Um, 2020, they really took a nosedive. Interest rates for student loans really went down federally and for for private refinancing. But now we're back at like six, seven percent, which that does make paying student loans back more expensive for for folks. Um, So that's another maybe general reality. I think PSLF was a huge topic for a while with the waiver, but now that's really died down. So it's just, you know, I think people are just trying to figure out, okay, what are my next steps? And the way I tell people to think about how they should start putting together their plan is if if you're someone whose balance is lower than your income, then you're probably someone who needs to be paying the loans off here coming mm-hmm. up. And maybe you do that now. Maybe you pay extra towards the loans now because we're at 0%. Or maybe you use the high yield savings strategy we talked about. If you're someone whose balance is much greater than your income, then a lot of these forgiveness opportunities with income-driven repayment, they're going to be really applicable to you. So we we know that income-driven plans provide forgiveness now after 20 or 25 years. So you'd want to figure out which plan that's available today makes sense for you if you should be filing taxes married or separate for 2022. And then if this new plan comes about, might be better to jump to at that time. But 
if you're going that forgiveness route, you'd want to be paying as little as possible to maximize how much you, you can get forgiven. So those are ways that you could kind of put yourself in a bucket for what's coming up. Yeah, I like that rule of thumb, kind of that balance to income. I think that's going to help a lot of people make a more informed decision when it comes to how they proceed with their student loans, especially Absolutely. in this limbo time. I think but, it'll just give a lot of folks uh, some context yeah. to, to mm-hmm. know where it is that they stand. You've got all these rules changing, but at the end of the day, if you know that, cool, this is generally what I should be doing, then yeah. I think that gives a lot of folks what feels like maybe some solid ground. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. when more confidence. Still, no, it's felt, it's felt like they've just been walking, yeah, trying to navigate through quicksand. Shifting sand, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Megan, I saw, I saw some stats recently, and I'm sure these are very familiar to you, but folks with student loans are less likely to, sm- to start a small business. Mm-hmm. They're more likely mm-hmm. to delay buying a home and having kids. They have less money saved for retirement in those early years. Yeah. So do you see that trend amongst the folks you're consulting with as well? Like, it, it seems like student loans are holding people back from the normal milestones they mm-hmm. would be would have been achieving were they not to have those. So I don't know. I'm just, mm-hmm. I, yeah, curious to hear the people you talk with, how are they impacting the, those student loans and the reality of having potentially tens or of thousands of dollars in debt or more how are they impacting their life decisions mm-hmm. absolutely this is literally why i wanted to to specialize in student loan planning because <laughs> when i was working with my financial coaching practice i i kept seeing this where people were not saving for retirement they weren't starting the business that they wanted to do when you know when they were in college they thought they were going to do people living at home for longer or delaying marriage. I've literally seen that where people have delayed getting married because of student loans. Mm. So that really tugged on my heartstrings because I felt like this was just one big elephant in the room that people had to deal with. And it wasn't very clear or or it was just complicated. Like student loans are complicated. They're the Mm -hmm. most complicated debt out there. And so what I realized really quickly, though, with with learning more about student loan planning is that if you have the right plan in place, then that gives you so much more, not permission, that's not the right word, but more clarity on what that path is going to look like for you, which frees up your mind to be thinking about other things. And if we have the right plan in place, too, then that means we we know what the payments are going to be. We know if we need to save for a potential tax implication for loan forgiveness. Other money could be dedicated towards other things. And so what I see a lot of times is before people have a plan, that's absolutely true. People are delaying other financial decisions, and that's negatively hurting them in one way or another, financially, mentally, time-wise, whatever the case. But after they have a plan... Uh, a plan that really fits their specific circumstances and they feel comfortable with it, they understand how that works, that really opens the floodgates to being able to move on to make other financial decisions, like being able to save for that house purchase or being able to start that business because they know Mm -hmm. how this will play out. So that is the favorite part of my job (laughs) is like cracking open that door that has been locked for so long for people that that maybe didn't have a plan for their loans and and being able to to watch them like see that, you know, 
see see what's next. That's exciting. Yeah, the, the ability for them to light up and to realize that there is some hope, that there's mm-hmm. some, some light at the end of the tunnel. And Just to use like a biblical reference, it feels like uh, that student loans can be like a plank in your eye and you can't see past them to anything yeah. else that you want to achieve. And it seems mm-hmm. like, yeah, the right plan can help you kind of take that plank out so that people can see a little more clearly that there are other options available. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so the paradigm you introduced, Megan, like you're talking about, you know, life before you had a plan to pay off your student loans and life after you have a plan. Yes. Well, I mean, there's also just the whole, if you take, if you zoom out one more, one more click, one more step, mm-hmm. even before you take on student loans, I think, I mean, that could, that, that could also be just another way to mm-hmm. approach this entire problem. You know, this is another way of cracking this nut is not having to deal with a nut in the first place. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like you're obviously a guru when it, when it comes to helping folks navigate this complicated system of student loans and, and helping them to, to pay it off. Uh, mm-hmm. But what tips do you have for, for high school students mm-hmm. or, or maybe for parents of high, school, uh, of high schoolers when it comes to taking out student loans in the first place to, to keep those to a minimum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, there's a couple of tips and tricks. And I, I know you've talked about some of these things, too. But um, saving early and often for, for education for your kids, I think that's that's helpful if if you're able to that's that's the other piece of it is financial planning wise like you want to prioritize yourself and your own financial well-being before you start contributing to your kids because mm-hmm. um, you can take out lo- loans for school as we know but you and know, you can get scholarships too yeah and you could get scholarships but your financial well-being you being financially independent in the future uh, takes priority but um if you're able to contribute early and often do it you know, open an account, 529 or a UTMA or a a non-retirement brokerage account, start saving early because you have time on your side when your kids are young. And maybe that's something you request from family. Like I've seen this a lot lately is where instead of toys or or gifts at Christmas, you ask for donations to to the the college savings account. So that's one way. Give them a lump of coal and a contribution. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So that's, that's one way. But if you're at the point where we're getting close to when we, we need to be going to school and we're really just looking at trying to reduce the costs as much as possible, we don't have a lot saved or maybe it's not enough. Going local is, is out of school tuition is insane compared to in-state tuition rates like you can look at the statistics on it it you can look at the math on it it's disturbing how much more expensive mm-hmm. it is for an out of school out of state school for for a student so that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at school choices scholarships are not something to sleep on grant opportunities are not something to sleep on make that your kid their high school kids like part-time job over the summer like applying <laughs> yeah. literally like do the math if you get a, a two thousand dollar scholarship for five hours of work that's a pretty good hourly pay rate <laughs> you <true>. know <laughs> way better than you're gonna get at a fast food restaurant or the grocery store <laughs> yep probably a little bit more than you're gonna make selling bracelets at the fourth of right. july together <laughs> as well so you know maybe you should have been applying to different grants <laughs> right. megan when before you went off to college yeah. Maybe one other thought. I think sometimes people don't think they could have a job while in undergrad. I know graduate school, it's a lot more difficult for people to, to work full time because yeah, that is load. their job. But undergrad, that's a great opportunity for your kid or you to be getting into the workforce, to be maybe even getting into an industry that you think you want to go into. 
like working as a receptionist at a dental office if you want to be a dentist or working in a sales and marketing office like there are internships there's lower end you know entry level jobs that you could be doing while you're in college that both give you clarity on what you want to do for work post-graduation and also give you some money. Maybe there's also incentives that they have as part of their employer benefits to keep you in school to get your CPA or to get a degree specifically for their, you know, for that industry. So that's something that I highly recommend. That's what I did when I went, I went to Kennesaw State here in Georgia. I worked full time. Yeah. It was a small school when I went. We didn't have football yet, (laughs) but they're, they're on the up and up. But I worked full time. Uh, the four years I went to undergrad, I did the books for a gym facility in in the area, and that's where I learned that I really liked numbers and doing you know planning. And it wasn't personal financial planning at the time, but that job made me realize I didn't want to go into corporate finance; that I wanted to yeah. do personal finance. So that I think helped me pay for school, pay for my living instead of having to borrow for living. And um, helped point me in the direction to my career. I think that's great advice. And I think it's great, like you said, from an income perspective. But also, a lot of people graduate and they're like, what do I do now? Like, yeah. where do I go work now? <laughs> and there's this like crisis of, I don't know what career path I want to take. But you know, having that job, at least for a couple of years, while you're getting your degree, can help you make those connections and help you kind of figure out what it is that you want to do moving forward. You're not solely just like, okay, now that I've got my degree in hand, what do I do? You're figuring that out along the way. And I think mm-hmm. that's just so helpful for young adults uh, to, to go in that direction. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I think we, we did, there was a period of time where the answer for young adults was just go to school, get a degree, mm-hmm. you'll get a good job. Now that's changed a little bit. You need to be a little more proactive about what you're going to school for, what the game plan is after graduation. And I think, you know, part-time employment, even full-time employment during school or internships over the summer, like that can really help you get an idea for what you actually want to do with your career. That's right. Yeah, it's just about thinking ahead a little bit. Having having a game plan. Yes. Well, Megan, oftentimes when we talk about financial planners, we kind of knock them a little bit because, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. uh, when it comes to investing, it's not all that difficult for the most part, especially mm-hmm. early on in your, your career. But mm-hmm. you provide really helpful guidance in, in what it is that you do, especially for those who've that, that, that might have more complicated student loan situations. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we want to give folks a, a chance here to, to learn more about you. Like, where can folks learn about the services that you are offering individuals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, run my own practice, Financial Coach Megan. So you could go to my website, financialcoachmegan.com. I started in the financial planning industry, like the traditional investment planning, like comprehensive retirement planning world. And I quickly realized that there was a section of people that was not really being catered to. And that was those that were, you know, post-graduation, had a lot of student loan debt, had pretty good income, but really didn't have any or didn't know where to start when it came to putting together a financial plan. And so, you know, I, I wanted to help folks figure out how to put together a budget, how to mm-hmm. uh, pay down student loans or how to pay down other debt how to start saving for retirement. Um, so I don't focus on investment management at all. I'm focusing on helping people build those foundational pieces to their plan. And I, I really enjoy this space. I think this helps people 
who, you know, weren't really taught this uh, while growing up or, you know, don't really, I I know that's probably not going to be anybody on this podcast because people listening to this are definitely folks that seek out information and learn how to do their own planning. But, you know, I, I think I cater to people that really just need that additional guidance to pull all those pieces together. Um, that's right. So that's the coaching space. So that's what I would call it, financial coaching. Yeah. Well, um, and I think that's different. Like that's so much different. Matt and I have said that many times. Financial coaches are different than financial planners and they're more valuable for a huge section of our audience yeah. than financial planners are. And we are glad you're out there. Thank you so much for the advice that Thanks. you bring. Oftentimes for free, and then people can also pay for it too if they need more in-depth and more personal guidance. Mm-hmm. But we, yeah, we love that you're out there helping folks with the student loan conundrum that continues to exist. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> this summer, hopefully we'll have more information. And, and as, mm-hmm. as things move along, more information to provide people to help mm-hmm. them make a wise choice when it comes to their student loans because they're obviously uh, massively impactful to, every, uh, to a lot of people's personal finances. But uh, Megan, we mm-hmm. hope you have a great holiday. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm so honored. It was such a fun time. All right, man. What an awesome conversation here with Megan, an old friend of ours who we've known since I think 2018 is when we originally met her back in the day. But um, hopefully like right after she became a CSLP and now she's like uh, all over the place. Just she's like the, the lead Georgia CSLP. No, I don't, I don't think <laughs> she, there's any. She puts out so much good information or anything. And I'm she just, does. I'm and amazing how far she's come in the space. And I'm very glad that we were able to, to speak with her because, again, there there are so many moving parts right now within the student loan space. Um, and I think that's one of the things we learned is that there is a, a whole lot that is up in the air. Yeah. But hopefully this conversation was able to provide some relief to folks when it comes to knowing what they should expect when it comes to student loans here in the future. And actually, that'll be my big takeaway is she actually gave a, a nice rule of thumb when it came to whether or not you should be considering paying off your student loans. So that'd be the case if you had a student loan balance that was less than your annual income. But if you have a balance that is higher than your annual income, that is when you want to look at some of those income-based repayment or forgiveness plans. That's when you're going to want to count on these different programs in order to provide you with some relief. And yeah. so hopefully that's just a way that folks can do a little bit of wayfinding, yeah. right? Like Because right now it's like you're in the sea and you just have no direction of where to go and you need a compass <laughs> or the stars or something, yeah. <laughs> something then, to help you to figure out which which direction to go and that rule of thumb might not might not figure out everybody's specific situation but it at least gives a lot of people a general roadmap for like what uh, the next steps they they need to take absolutely yeah and so yeah Yeah. i think that's i think that's great how about you though you had a big takeaway joel yeah i think mine was when when megan talked about decision fatigue and how there's just with all it it feels (laughs) like there's a change there's a new headline about student loans it's exhausting every day every week it is exhausting it's overwhelming and if you have student loans you're probably like it feels like you're a pinball and you don't know what to do because you're getting constantly smacked around you're not sure kind of what to think and that rule of thumb you gave is helpful but i also wanted to say that people need to be patient because we're not going to know for a while and so there's no point in constantly hitting refresh on google news in order to see if there's been a change made you'll hear any changes or any massive upheavals or any student loan forgiveness news you'll certainly hear it here on how to money i'm sure you'll see it elsewhere around the web as well but to a certain extent there aren't massive moves for a lot of people to make there's planning you can do in advance 
advance. There's preparation that you can start doing because student loan payments will eventually <laughs> resume. But I just want to say, patience, take a chill pill, relax. That's going to help a lot of people in this scenario because I know there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of consternation around student loans, but that's not helping anybody. So if you can kind of like take a breather, stop checking out the headlines and know that we will know more at some point, but we're just not going to know more next week. Exactly. Yeah, that I think that'll help some folks just take that anxiety, uh, take that anxiety down a peg or two. Totally. Yeah. You need, you need to be like the gnomes on this bottle of beer that you and I enjoy. <laughs> There's, so this is uh, Nice Schoof. This is a Belgian dark, uh, but on the label, it's got these two gnomes. They both, they got Santa hats on. Very Christmassy. And they're just hanging out around the fire. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what we want you to do during, especially during this this holiday season. If you've got student loans, don't worry about it. It's going to take a while before we know what's next. But we do want you to practice your standard responsible personal finance habits, of course. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about this beer, Joel. Like I said, this is a Belgian dark brewed with spices. It's got orange peel and thyme in it. Yeah. And I feel like I could totally pick up on some of those, like, minerally earthy notes, like in particular from the time, it kind of gave it like this savoriness that uh, I was able to enjoy maybe more so than, I've, I guess a lot of Belgians, like that is one of the aspects of those types of beers is that they're savory. Uh, it's almost like you're sitting down to like a, a stew <laughs> or something, not <laughs> yeah. like, not in viscosity or thickness, but just in the type of flavor profile that, that they're able to bring. And it's I feel packing like, a punch. It's a wild. Yeah, yeah. And this one in particular, it, it does have more of those time notes. It makes it almost, it kind of takes me back to Thanksgiving a little bit where you're got this, I don't know, it's, it's like you're you're drinking something that was brewed in a garden or something. Yeah. Uh, well, there's yeah. nobody in the States, there's no brewery in the States that makes any beer that I've tasted that feels like it's on the level of some of these Belgian beers. And I'm not saying that there aren't beers that are brewed by brewers here in the state. I think we have we make the best craft beers in America, but in the world. In the world. <laughs> but there's something about the way they make these beers, the oh, yeah. style, the approach, the craft. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and even some of like the terroir that like can't be replicated. And so these uh, a beer like this is, that you can't find one. They're here incredibly unique in America. Yeah. yeah. So you have to get the Belgian variety if you want to try these flavors. And so I love the uniqueness of this beer. It's got like caramelly dark vibes. It's got some of those like dark stone fruit vibes going on as well. And so, I yeah, I really like this beer. It's one of the first Belgian beers I ever had, but I haven't had it in years. So it's kind yeah. of fun to, to have this one again. It's one of those OG original Belgians yeah. that you have when you first get into craft beer, or at least in our case, when we were visiting the Brick Store, which is uh, a Belgian beer bar here yeah. in Atlanta. Which is like renowned across the country, the honestly, country. as one of the best beer bars. Yeah. If, if you're ever in Atlanta, you definitely need to go by there and, and sure. check this place out. And, and I will say the picture... And then the flavor both make you feel like uh, they're so. That's right why I started corner. with the label because yeah. it was so co- colorful, but at the same time so like warming. And what's the Danish or the Norwegian? Hugi, Huga, or, or <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever it is. That, yeah, it's this got it's it's, it's got to give you a dose of that all the way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll make sure to link to Megan's website in our show notes. That way, if you are looking for more individualized custom advice when it comes to your student loans, you know how to reach her. But you can find that in our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. And of course, anytime there is new info about student loans, we will be sure to talk about it on Friday flights mm-hmm. or in our newsletters, which you can sign up for at howtomoney.com slash newsletter. That's right, man. But that's going to do it for this episode, Matt. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out.
supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.